around the world and coast to coast. This is the Phil Nason Show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I am so happy to have you here on Max Sports Channels Daily on the 405 Media Daily, Almighty Baller Network, and Dash Radio, not to mention Armed Forces Radio, the 405 Media, Baseball Talk Radio, TuneIn, anywhere you're picking this up, whether it's either on a podcast catcher or on one of these fine internet radio-based stations, I'm happy to have you here. We are presented by Bovada and the Dollar Shave Club. Go over there and hit those links and take care of your business. Take care of your business. I couldn't even get that out. It's because I'm so excited, you see. We're going to talk NBA basketball like we do every week, except I have a very good friend here who is in the house often, but not often enough. Please welcome from slcdunk.com. Amar, you are in the house. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, The Utah Jazz haven't been in the house for a while, so... I don't know to take my shoes off or not or take my jacket off. I'm just here for a little bit for sure. Well, you're here for as long as it takes, I think. And the thing is, is I have to ask you, why can't the Utah Jazz ever have nice things? I don't know. Like That's the fan opinion, but, you know, glass half empty, glass half full. I think the Utah Jazz do have nice things. And it's a shame that they just can't play with them together right now, but that's just like any kid before Christmas. You ask Santa for what you want, but your your parents buy it for you. You still got to wait to see if it's under the tree, and I think that's where Utah is right now. That's guys are injured, but they're good guys. You just got to wait to use them. I think there's a hole in your Christmas stocking because <laughs> it's not even coal. <laughs> yeah, it's not even coal. There's a hole there because. I thought, I honestly believe that the Utah Jazz, prior to this, uh, the start of this thing where they're now down 2-1 to the Clippers, I figured five games, adios Los Angeles Clippers, never to be seen and heard from in in that collection again. And then Rudy Gobert gets hurt. And I still think they win. I think Utah has a good chance of... Like the reason why I think Utah has a good chance to win the series is because the Clippers have not been dominant. They haven't looked like a great team yet. They've looked like a team that's kept Utah within plus three to minus six within them the entire series. <laughs> so that's not a big margin. And before the series started, I felt like Utah could win the series. As the series has progressed, even though the they just lost game three. We're recording this on uh, Sunday morning or Saturday morning, sorry. Mm-hmm. They're still in this. And the Clippers aren't getting better. They're just being themselves. And as we saw in the regular season, the Clippers being themselves was not good enough to impress anyone. Yeah, but I was impressed with them. I have been for a while. I'm disappointed, though, because, you know, they they did go out and win game one, and that was pretty good. Inside L.A., stole a game, which is what they needed to do. And then since then, the Clippers seem to have some kind of answer, whether it's the sixth man on their team, the guy wearing his zebra shirt, or whatever. It just seems to me that the deck has been stacked against Utah, and I can't figure out for the life of me why. And I got this bad feeling as if they lose to the Clippers, they're going to lose Gordon Hayward. 
Well, I wouldn't go that far. Like, first steps first. They have to lose to the Clippers. We just got a breaking news alert that Blake Griffin is going to miss the remainder of the playoffs with his toe injury. Right. On the other hand, Utah could be getting Rudy Gobert back for maybe game four, five, or six. We don't know that yet. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there. There is uncertainty with Gordon Hayward leaving, but Utah has the chance of paying him the most. He already has two homes in Utah. Um, you know, his daughters were born in Utah. And uh, the one thing that Boston doesn't have is a 24-year-old center who could be the defensive player of the year. I don't know why you'd want to play against that guy when you have the opportunity to play with him. So, Well, if he goes to Boston, he only has to play twice, but I heard, or two times per season, but I heard yeah. Miami now. Yeah, well... I think there was no actual beef to that rumor, but because of the way that things are spread out and pro proliferated right now, it became something when it wasn't anything. And Miami would be great to, ha you know, they'd love Hayward, but so would every team in the league. Well, yeah, I would think so. You know, and the other thing somebody was telling me the other day is Quinn Snyder's getting out coached by Doc Rivers. That's a bunch of hogwash. Yeah, I, I don't think Doc has made any major adjustments. Like in game two, their you know, huge home win, which was nine points. Right. It was six points until the last 30 seconds or whatever. In that win, Doc Rivers didn't do anything. He just told their guys, hey, Rudy's not playing. Try and get some more lobs. And uh, I also read that, that it looked like Quinn was getting outcoached. He's not getting outcoached. He's getting outplayed like his team, like his – his team is they're missing free throws every single game they're making unfirst turnovers and they just don't have the physical ability to match up with that pick and roll right now when they had gobert out there who was as athletic if not as more athletic than deandre jordan that was a stalemate but without him you know that's not the coach isn't the guy who's missing the rotation there on defense the coach can tell the players to do it so it's it's up to the players to step up We've seen Chris Paul step up for sure, so Utah needs to answer. I think they will. Uh, I, I think they should anyway. This is time. This is the time when you know Gordon Hayward really becomes that star. It, the table's set for him to do so. He had a pretty big game the other day, and that's nice. And, and he has to do it again, though. He has to do it repeatedly. This is a rinse, lather, repeat time. And you have to take care of your business. I don't understand. I know that he's he really. You can see that he misses Gobert though, on both sides of the ball. But my goodness, take over. Who, who uh, Luke Amuabut is a nice kid, and he's a good defender. But Gordon Hayward is a star, isn't he? He should be taking care of business, and taking the team and putting it on its back. Yeah, and I think you could say that he didn't show up in Los Angeles. In Game 3 in Utah, he had 40 points, which wasn't just a playoff career high. That was his actual NBA career high in points. Right. He shot close to 70% from 2 and 50% from 3. He went to the line. I think offensively he did quite a bit. But maybe that's not his game. That's not his natural game. And that's definitely not what the playbook is asking for in Utah. If you actually look at his history, in Gordon Hayward's biggest offensive producing nights – the team almost always is losing. So is he the one who's scoring the most because his teammates aren't picking up the slack? 
or is he scoring a lot to the detriment of his team not getting into the game? So it's kind of the inverse of that Chris Paul thing where Chris Paul was passing too much and they want him to score more. Right. Maybe Gordon needs to be assertive early, but he also needs to make sure that guys like Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson are also getting theirs because Utah's not going to outstar the Clippers right now. They're going to have to outteam the Clippers. They did that in game one. They're going to have to do that in the rest of the series. Well, I saw Joe definitely turn back the hands of time in game one. That was a nice play, too. Uh, the referees, we were talking about this off-air. Might as well bring it up. The referees get, the one reporter gets to ask the referees one question, right, And during these playoffs? Yeah, and now, at the end of each game. At the end of each game, and that's never been done before. Normally, the referees aren't allowed to talk to the media, and they shouldn't talk to the media. But apparently, this is some idea Adam Silver has for more transparency, which is going to backfire on him just like his little two-minute warning thing or two-minute report, whatever. Just another botched idea. What did you make of it last night? Because it was an interesting exchange, right? Yeah, definitely. The uh, The one question that was asked was, why was Boris Diaw's made three-pointer with 4.7 seconds left not called continuation? And I think that the reason why they asked that question is because that would have put Utah up at that point, I think. They were only down by two or three. So that would have been huge, especially if it was a four-point play. Mike Callahan, who was the lead official, he answered that the foul happened on the dribble prior to the gather of the ball, and as a result, he wasn't calling that continuation. Uh, and you and I both noticed that that uh, Chris Paul had a four-point play earlier on in the game that was called continuation, even though it looked like George Hill didn't even touch him. So a lot of Jazz fans are salty about that, but you got to be able to beat the Clippers. You were up by 14. I'm not going to point to a single point. That was the reason why this team lost. Sure, if Boris Diaw was hitting a three, that's great. But, you know, what about getting some rebounds and hitting your free throws? He's got a great opportunity, too. You know who has a good opportunity now is Derek Favors. I know he's been hampered this year. He hasn't been the same, and people are trying to write him off, which I think is a big mistake. But he's got a chance with, without Blake Griffin. Okay, they'll probably insert most baits because Doc Rivers isn't going to do anything drastic. He doesn't. I don't think he has that in his makeup other than to sign his son, of course. You mean Brandon Bass isn't going to be the MVP of the series? I, I don't think so. I, he could be. I could be wrong. I get told I'm wrong a lot. But I, I don't think it's him. I, I think this is a great opportunity for Derek Favors. And if Gobert comes back... You just beat them down low because I don't think that's going to be an issue. And then I think uh, you, you open them some things up. I mean, Gobert, people don't understand how important Gobert is on both sides of the floor, you know, and that's the thing, and that's what's missing, right? Yeah, because if you watch the first two games, Utah's perimeter guys weren't getting any separation because the people that they're relying on to set screens aren't whatever it is, like Gobert 7'2", you know, 240 pounds, 50 pounds, something like that. He's a he's a lot of French fries right there to get through. Yeah, right. <laughs> without him, without him, the screens haven't been as good. So, like, he also leads the league, or is it number one or two in screen assists over the course of the season? So he's been a vital cog on both sides of the court. It's kind of like what would happen if DeAndre wasn't playing for the Clippers. No one would be setting those high screens for Chris Paul. As a result, it would be a whole lot easier to defend the team. Do they win this series, Utah? 
I don't know. If they win game four, they've got a fighter's chance. How do they win game four, though? What do, what well, do they do? What do they do? What should they do that they aren't? Well, one thing is that I think that they're one of the main faults has been part of the rotation, and part of that is dictated by injuries. When Chris Paul is off the floor, Utah needs to either extend the lead or cut down the lead, and they've been playing to a stalemate when Raymond Felton's been in the game and Chris Paul has not. And I think a big part of that has been Shelvin Mack. Shelvin Mack was the only healthy point guard down the stretch, and that's why he was the one who got the the backup minutes in game one, two, and three. We saw Haul Neto play well in game three, but only in the second half. He was the backup point guard. He was injured. Hopefully he's good enough to, to reclaim his spot because he gives the Jazz something that Shelvin doesn't. It's called defense. And you can't have Raymond Felton be averaging like 10 points per game against you in the playoffs. No, that's a fact. You can't. You can't have him averaging 10 points against you any other time either, especially in a backup role where he's only playing 12 minutes. That's not good. That's almost a point a minute. You can't have that. Selvin Mack, I hear this all the time. People are going are upset. Atlanta Hawks fans primarily are upset that Selvin Mack ended up off the team and into the hands of the Utah Jazz. But I was sympathetic toward the Utah Jazz when that happened because I kind of know what Selvin Mack's all about. And after about three games and he really did well, people are going, see, I told you. And they haven't done anything <laughs> since, you know. And, and, you know, sample sizes matter. What yeah. Do you, what do you do without George? George Hill has to be healthy and play 38 minutes. If he doesn't play 38 minutes, this team's in trouble. Well, they can't play him 38 minutes because he's one of the designated foulers to protect the big men. So, like, he, it's just a really bad situation. They need to rely on on better help at the guard spot. Uh, George Hill had a very good offensive game last night for us, uh, game three. He made his threes. If he just keeps doing that and gets a little bit more help so that he can finish the end of the game strong, and I think that's what's really hurting both teams right now is that they don't have their full teams. You know, They don't have Austin Rivers playing right now. So both teams are kind of hampered with who they can play and how much they are playing. And at the end of the games, both teams are tired. The referees are going to favor the Stars because you know that's just the way life is. That's just the way life is. In tennis, they call them top ten calls. Everybody else gets the lines are really thin. And against <laughs> the top ten player, they're very thick. It is what it is. Uh, Warriors, Blazers. That's a fun little thing going on down there. But it's interesting. I want to ask the theme for this, and there's a theme in every series I've come up with. Which backcourt would you rather have? Would you rather have Damian Lillard or CJ and CJ McCollum? Or would you rather have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson? Well, if we're going by just this playoffs, my answer is is neither. I go with the Washington Wizards. But oh uh, yeah, aren't they doing a number on Atlanta? Yeah, we can trash Atlanta later for sure. But yeah, why not? With the well, you know, we will, we will. I uh, I'm but, looking forward to it. By the way. Yeah, well, you know, Atlanta. They've had a pretty rough run for their sports teams as of late. So, but as for the Super Bowl, it's more than almost every other team for sure. Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's more than any team, any NFL team in Utah's done. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the NFL team in Utah? Is that the 49ers? It's ridiculous. So. <laughs> Might be the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, yeah. See, that's going to be a whole problem. Like, I don't know if the, the black hole fans and then the Mormon fan base can really coexist, but what do I know? The Mormons um, run Las Vegas. They have all the high positions in all the casinos because the guys can trust them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of my friends is a—he's an attorney. He's a Mormon guy. He works in Las Vegas. So. Hey, there you go. There you have yeah. it. See, I worked out there many years. Anyway, this backcourt, yeah. these two backcourts. I mean, one day. Well, here's the thing. One night, they're Portland Trailblazers backcourts popping out seventy-five points, and the next night they can't score. That's they had fifteen the, assists the in game one, dude. They scored yeah. hundred and five points and had only fifteen assists. I I don't think that they're in the same level though as what we have with Golden State, and I'm not a big Golden State fan, so it, you know it's difficult for me to give them a lot of props. But they've been there before, and they're going to find their shots and they're going to you know get their star calls or whatever. But they are a little bit more consistent right now, and what we're seeing with uh, Coach Kerr is that he's kind of controlling the throttle. Whereas what we have in in Portland, those two guys in the backcourt have to be all the way at 100 in order for them to be in the series. Then that's not the case with Golden State. I think that's why they're in a different class in terms of the backcourts. I tell you what, I don't think that the Portland Trailblazers are going to do anything against them. The rest is, I think it's going to be a sweep. It's most likely going to be a sweep because they're even holding Kevin Garnett out of game. Uh, Garnett, jeez, Kevin Durant, Durant out, out again. Yeah, so they like, don't even need him. Exactly, and, they never and needed him. They never should have had him. But that's, no, that's true too. But that's another issue. But the thing is, is they don't miss a beat. Yeah, and there's that familiarity because C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard—they're both really good players. They're both very good. They can play pick and roll. They can run the curl and. They can spot up. They have all of those perimeter skills. I'm not quite sold on CJ's ability to finish near the rim. I I know he's been working on a floater. Damian Lillard, he's more of a, you know, like a John Wall type. He can get to the rim and he can score with contact. In Golden State, both of those guys can finish at the rim. Both of them have floaters. That I think that they're the better backcourt. They're garbage defensively and they're hidden because of their scheme. But you know, it's it's going to be a Golden State sweep. Like, I believe that. I, I love Portland. They've got really good fans. They're very passionate. But, you know, Golden State's just built for the playoffs. They can keep their online fan base, though. Um, I, see, I feel like Zach Randolph every time I talk about them because, you know, just like him, I, every time I play against them, I want to beat their ass, especially in Portland. Um, it's just the way it is. I want to see them angry and disappoint them. But I think they're going to be disappointed later today in fact, because I don't think that they have enough in the tank. You know, you've got these guys, this backcourt, C.J. McCollum's a chucker, all right? That's what he is. He's a chucker. Damian Lillard chucks a little bit, but Damian can do other things. C.J.'s just a chucker, and if it ain't falling, they're in big trouble. And even if they are, look, they scored 75 points between the two of them, yeah. and they still got beaten overtime. They missed the Bosnian beast. They really miss him. That's amazing to me. It just shows you how good Nikola Jokic is because uh, 
he couldn't even get on the floor. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and like that's that's floor. a wealth that's a wealth of big man. Like if you can't find a scheme to get them both playing at the same time, but yeah, I don't know. I like what Javale McGee's doing against them too, because there's no one there to stop him. Myers Leonard, really? Yeah, he's he's definitely looking a lot better than he's ever looked before. Part of that is being on a good team. Part of that is being on a team that's got four better guys on the floor that you have to guard every single time. But Myers Leonard. Noah Vonley, this is not the series for them. They're stretch guys. They're not rim guys. No. And do you think, now, let's say you're Portland. Do you keep Nurkic out? Do you just say, you know what, he didn't just get him for this run. And he did a nice job with them, or for them, I should say. Do you let him play? Do you take that risk? Because I don't think you do. There's no benefit, really, because this is just, you know, a better way to get data points on what this team is like without him on the court so that you know how much more valuable he is. It helps you target free agents. Maybe we can get a guy in free agency who can replicate some of what he does. It's a good data session for this team and for some of the other younger guys just to be in the playoff atmosphere. There's no benefit to playing him early. If it was the NBA Finals, sure. First round against Golden State when you haven't won a game yet, definitely not. Take that for data. We love it. I, mean, I tell you what, I, I was not a big fan of the hiring of David Fisdale, I'll be honest with you. I do that Memphis Grizzlies show with Kevin Leip. But this dude won me over about six or eight weeks into the season because, you know, he moved Zach Randolph to the bench, and Zach never cried about it publicly. He just yeah. went out there and played. He said, go ahead, and I'm going to give you 20 minutes a night. You can go chuck as many shots up as you can, get us some rebounds, and you don't even have to play defense. Just go do this. And he did. He's got Marcus All shooting threes. He's taking advantage of the fact that Marcus All can shoot them and does shoot them and shoot th- and shoots them well. He's done so much good. And the way he talked, you don't even hear you hear the likes of Greg Popovich talk that way. Yeah. Maybe Rick Carlisle talks that way. But no one else in the NBA has the cachet to do that. But damn, he went off on the refs. We're not rooks, you're rooking us. And then he went yeah. off on his players in the same way. Stick up for yourselves. They don't stick up for themselves. He didn't go after his players, but he made it clear. He was telling them, you're too nice. It's it's a legit moment for everyone, like basketball fans, basketball writers, you know, people who are playing basketball, coaches. Silk screeners, T-shirt designers. <laughs> of course. Vendors. They even you know, have take that for data on the hot dog wrappers in in, in the forum over there. I love that. It, it's great. And you got to, like, I wasn't sure about him either, but he definitely showed me something. He wasn't just, oh, well, he's he's doing it because he used to be with the, you know, those Miami Heat teams or whatever. He's a guy who has also had to deal with ridiculous injuries this year. Marcus All has missed games. Uh, Mike Conley has missed games. We're not even seeing Chandler Parsons. I I forget what he looks like. We haven't seen him in such a long no, time. You'll see him on people in the cover of People magazine probably because they got that thing going on out there in the West, whatever that is. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Where all those silly girls go out there and act stupid. Silly girls being the Kardashian girls. But oh, needless to say, I'm telling you, this is this is exactly right. And they, they don't even have a bench right now, and they beat none. the Spurs. You know, they're going to beat him again. That. They're going to beat him again later today. 
that would be that's that would be amazing if that happens i think a huge issue was the fact that Leonard didn't get his like customary nineteen free throws in Game Three. Yeah, like he only had four over the top. You know, it's that's, super it's That's something that Fisdale was pointing out too. He goes, "Mike Conley has never had a technical foul in the NBA, and you treat him like a, like he's a bad guy." Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. Kawhi does that, but the players started talking out loud. Then, you know, he gave them the cue, and he says, "Hey, Kawhi gets away with a lot of stuff." Wow, but you know, you, it's, you it's a masterful move. Like this was the card he had to play. He played it at the right time, and he's getting results not just from the refs, but he's made his team want it more. Oh yeah, you know the funny thing is, is that team has beaten the Spurs two out of the four times they played this season. So it is possible, and I think they're going to win again in Game Four. But I don't see how they win the series. And then you got Popovich over there screaming and hollering at his players. I mean, what's that all about? He, I'm telling you, these, he's, Popovich is more surly this year toward his team than I've seen him in a long time. Well, that's because Duncan's not there. You know, when the is. golden child is gone, that's everyone else is. becomes the whipping boy. Except for Kawhi. He never says anything about Kawhi, does he? Well, no, he wouldn't respond. He's a robot. So. <laughs> he's a great player, though. I love him. But that was a, that was a bold move. It cost him a few bucks. But he can soak that up, man. He's on there on Twitter. His wife is on Twitter with a big picture of her sitting on his lap, smiling and thanking all the Memphis Grizzlies fans. You know, they're not going to ever have to buy dinner in Memphis again. They shouldn't. He Like, this this playoff run alone, you know, it's something. It's something small market fans never forget. Udonis Haslam was on Sirius yesterday, and they asked him about Fisdale if he was surprised by it. He goes, the only thing that surprised me is how clean it was. <laughs> Gotta love that. That you gotta love that. And speaking of clean, Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets, and the six fouls between the two teams. No, I'm exaggerating. Yeah, I tell you something. You this Russell Westbrook. Now I wouldn't. I don't call him the MVP. Probably he will be. I thought it should be Kawhi Leonard, the robot. But uh, because I appreciate defense, also. I don't know what to say. What more you can say about Russell Westbrook? You know, one thing that you never see him do, and he's got a sorry team. Yeah, his team is sorry. Not as sorry as the Cavs, because at least the Thunder can win without Russell Westbrook. But the Cavs can't even win without LeBron, but we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, he's got a team of maybe they're not so good. Maybe. They're still NBA players, so they're really good. But they're just not going to win much. And no. yet... He never pops off in the press like Paul George, and we'll get into that in a minute, too. Never pops off about anything, just goes out there and puts up 51 points and 50 assists and 40 rebounds and just turns it out. He made it a series. Well, yeah, that and, you know, I guess, Stephen Adams. But (laughs) for sure, for sure, Russell Westbrook is the engine that runs this team. He's the coach, too. Yeah, and probably the GM. Who knows, right? Hey, did so. you hear? Did you hear? Uh, I think it was Game One, where uh, Billy Donovan they had him on right on the mic, saying to Maurice Cheeks, "I can't play Cantor." <laughs> yeah, no, he said that right after Cantor got turned around twice on defense. Yeah, I can't play him. Yeah, like where's the defensive fundamentals there? Just stay, like stay still. You would have done better than 
than doing what they, he did. If had had the uh, had Sam Presti been listening to this show five years ago, we would have told him that. Oh my God! Can you imagine paying Ennis Cantor that kind of money and then he can't even play? Yeah, well, Utah definitely dodged a bullet there by not signing him, but at the same time, so did Portland. Well, no, Portland, you, he would have done all right there because they don't care about defense much. There. They don't the care about does. defense, yeah. Sam Presti doesn't. No. no Not like, Sam Presti, I mean Neil O'Shea. It's hard to be a one-way player and be one way in such a weird way. Hmm. Like offensive rebounds and um, what? What else does Cantor do? It's, Turn, it's the, he, base, it's the baseline did. shot. Yeah, sometimes, but more importantly, he catches the ball in the post, turns around, dunks if he gets a chance. Usually, they're on putbacks, though. So, yeah, so he's got the offensive ability of Jeff Rulett. So, not, no one was paying him, you know, what is it, uh, billions of dollars a year? They'd have been better off with Jeff Withy. Yeah, well, you know, he's a banger for sure. Yeah, and, but here's uh, the thing. Yeah, of course. You know what? When we use our free Jeff free Withy hashtag. It might have a whole new meaning next year. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, this is why you don't date crazy women. But we don't have all of the facts, so I, I can't can't go into it. But but I, we can go into this Houston series. I, I I actually think Harden has been the more impressive player. I you do know, too. For one, his team is winning, and suddenly he knows how to use his team better. He and really I think does. that's a huge thing because, like, Westbrook is – is just turning out these assists, but I don't think he's making his guys better. Where Harden definitely is this one person who's elevated the play of his team. And Clint Capella and all these other guys. These guys wouldn't be anything on any other team. You know, another team that's just one guy scoring. But with no. but what we're seeing right now, Mike D'Antoni, he, it was kind of like a Fisdale thing. Like, I didn't think that was going to work out. But he made this one roster move. Instead of putting a, a starter to the bench like Fisdale did, he puts a shooting guard to point guard. And that just unlocks something else that was all all kinds of crazy this year. You know, I was up at uh, in Maine this last summer, and uh, I was getting ready. To, the thing just came out with uh, D'Antoni being the coach. And I, I was doing my – I was writing a fantasy column, who's going to be your number one pick. And I said to Brian Scalabrini – because he was up there doing a basketball thing, I said, hey, Bri, who would you rather have, Westbrook or Harden? And I'm not going to tell you what he said, but I disagreed with him, and I ended up choosing Harden. Well, I just told you what he said, didn't I? But, then yeah. he comes, but here's, the th- here's the funny thing, though. About, like, at dinner time, he comes over and he says, hey, you know what? I like Harden, too. <laughs> he goes, you might be right. Because he's starting to think about the possibilities there. Brian's an ex-coach. He knows this thing or two about the NBA. And you look at the possibilities, and I didn't have any thought that he would have Harden bringing up the ball, but he has, and he's done a good job. You know, James Harden, you make a good point, as you usually do, but he makes his teammates much better, whereas Russell Westbrook, his assists are more bailouts than anything else. And his rebounds, those guys, if they have a bonus in their uh, contract, Bonus for rebounds, they're gonna they're gonna be disappointed because they're letting him get rebounds too. It's all set up for Russell Westbrook. I said this on this show a couple weeks ago. I'll say it again. They made a deal with Westbrook. Must have Billy Donovan must have told him you can do whatever you want because I don't know how that works. And they did the other night, but barely. I don't see them winning another game against Houston though. 
Yeah, I think this was their solo win. Houston in five seems more and more likely, especially with the level of precision that Oklahoma needed in order to get that one win. They'll be close it. games, but you know it's Houston series to lose. It's you know it's a gentleman sweep. I think that could be you know, and I think uh, the sad part is is that Westbrook will probably not end his season in Oklahoma City because I wouldn't mind seeing him get a standing ovation. He's had a hell of a year, it really has. Not I don't think it's MVP worthy in this cat with these with this cast that are against him this year. But boy, I know I never thought I'd see anything like this. And, well, now I can say that I have. Just like I've never seen anything quite like this Bulls-Celtics series. And and the reason I say this is because I'm not the biggest fan of Brad Stevens. I don't think he's a bad coach. I just don't think he's a great coach. They've elevated they being some of the media guys that I think more act more like groupies than uh, actual media people. They've elevated this kid to this status that doesn't he hasn't earned. I mean, they are two or three and eight in first round playoff matchups with him as the coach. And now you've got this issue, Rondo busts his thumb, and if Rondo doesn't bust his thumb, the Celtics sweep or the Celtics get swept. Yeah, it's very likely. And I think, you know, he's not Red Auerbach. You know, he's not even Frank Vogel at he's this point. He's not Tommy he, Heinsohn. <laughs> I ranked yeah, Fred Hoiberg ahead of Brad Stevens the other day in my column. Well, he's definitely out-coaching him right now. If we can point to a system where there is a series where one coach is being out-coached, like, who's the MVP of the Celtics right now? Rondo's thumb injury? <laughs> That's what it, you know what? That's right. Now, Al Horford, people, and I'll tell you what, I listened, I had to listen to WEEI out in Boston this week just for this because they kill those guys. And they were killing Horford all week. You, what, you've never seen him play before? It's These ridiculous. folks act like it's a new thing. He's never been one of those aggressive rebounding type guys. Yeah, especially in, in like even his last season in Atlanta where he was more of a face-up player extending his range instead of being like this like inside brute. And like Kelly Olynyk, he, he's also a face-up guy. It, and I, I don't think that they're defensively sound on the inside. Like you have some dogs out there with Jay Crowder and um, you know Avery Bradley and all those dudes, Marcus Smart. These guys get out there for it, but you know you're letting Robin Lopez score on you. Like that's that's a cause for concern. Like if Robin Lopez is doing this, what's going to happen if you get out of this round? This you know, is still, it, you know, if Butler plays half as normal they probably still win game three without rondo probably rondo you know butler was awful but i play daily fantasy basketball and the way you can win money is attack the boston celtics front court i've been doing it all season it doesn't matter who they traipse out there they don't stop anyone and i don't know why that is maybe but it but you would think though if this guy is such a super coach that he would have figured out a thing or two to get some more rebounds, something. It, it seems to me like they just do what they want to do down low, and Brad Stevens doesn't have much to say about it. And if he is, they ain't listening. And if he is saying these things and they are listening, then something's not right. Either way, there's something off there. But one thing that I'll tell you who the star of that Boston Celtics team is, if everyone didn't know beforehand, they sure know now, is Isaiah Thomas. 
Yeah. How do you how do you do fantastic. what he did? How did you how do you do what he did in game one? I mean, that must have been just horrific. I it's ridiculous. Like we're getting to see, and maybe this is the case now that every single playoff game is on TV live. But this wasn't the case back in the seventies and eighties when we were young lads. But yes, well, um, I'm still old lad then. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> but uh, um, what we're seeing more of is like these specific moments, and I think Isaiah Thomas is definitely a guy who is, you know. If nothing else, he's making the under six foot crowd feel like that if they're really good at basketball, they can still make the NBA. He's fantastic. That's exactly right. You know, yeah. and in most cases they can't, but that's not the issue. He's given hope to people, and in spite of and he would, I'll tell you what, I was just stunned. I was more stunned by the backlash with Charles Barkley because. You know, he said some things that he goes, I just don't want to see that. I can't watch that. He didn't mean that Isaiah Thomas was soft and shouldn't cry for the sister's loss. He just wonders why anybody needs to see that. That's heartbreaking to watch that kid who's had a great season and who should be, like, celebrated for his basketball. And now people are just sympathetic towards him because he lost his sister and he's crying on the bench. I I think it was... Charles is not a good communicator. I think we all know that at this point. But I didn't so, take it in a bad way what he said. I, I kind of agree with him. I didn't want to see that either because I don't want to see that kid crying. Right. It, it's a media thing. It's not a sports thing. A sports thing is, you know, keep it within the lines of the court. And, you know, he's not saying he's not allowed to internalize his grief or he's not allowed to express his grief. He just didn't want it to become a media you know, show. And every single personal matter it's kind of like if you watch the olympics like every single player has their own sob story of like how they got here and the sacrifices they made it it's obvious that instead of you know champion championing isaiah thomas for what he's done as a basketball player it's like okay well this all-star happened to lose his sister which is really really sad but the focus should be on this guy could be an all nba player you know maybe not this year but next year for sure with the way that he's playing so it they, it's they a better it. coach they or, need a better coach in boston yeah or or you know they develop a better scheme for him you know right now it's it's kind of like based on his own ability as opposed to working to his strengths so it's it's a you know he, he's He's scoring a lot, but he's taking a lot of shots. Like there's a way to to get a better return on, on the effort he puts out there. So a, a better coach could do that, or a better scheme. Yeah, but that coach hasn't come up with that better scheme. He's had two and a half seasons to do so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he, he's a millennial. What can you expect? What do you expect? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, uh, the thing is, is uh, I'm wondering though, are the Celtics the paper tiger of the East? They look that way after after losing the first two at home. That, that's gonna, a now, very bad look for a number but, one seed. But, but Wonder Boy is going to get heralded for uh, inserting Gerald Green into the starting lineup. That was that was more of a fluke that that worked than the fact that it actually worked because it didn't work. What worked was Jimmy Butler was laying bricks out there. Yeah, and that's he's not going to do that every game. Maybe that's his one bad game of the series. 
Yeah, I still think gonna... this is Chicago's in the driver's seat, even without Rondo. Yeah, bye-bye, Boston. I'm sorry. It's okay, though. You know something? The Cavs in Indiana. <laughs> this this is this is weird because you've got LeBron. He's always chirping, which is kind of funny. But Paul George is doing a lot of talking, throwing his teammates under the bus, talking, 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 talking. So my question is, is Paul George looking for a way out of Indiana? This could be his Carmelo thing, you know? Like, Carmelo scored a lot but didn't didn't really achieve a lot of greatness out west. And um, they did get to the Western Conference once. I do think that this Indiana team, they were a contender. They're currently not a contender. The best way to ask for a trade without asking for a trade is to make your team have to trade you. And I really don't think you can yell at, you know, C.J. Miles for getting the open shot in game one. You know, the game plan was to stop, stop Paul George. Why do you think that he would find a way to pass back to him when George has two guys on him? That's just bad basketball. Uh, this is not the leadership that we that we want. It's kind of funny. Some Pacers fans are saying, well, how about we trade Paul George for Hayward straight up and see what happens? Well, first of all, you can't do that. <laughs> it would have to be a sign and trade, but yeah. And they don't really frown on that sort of thing now. I don't think you even can under the new CBA, but... Why you know, ah man, you know Paul George. Here's the thing about Paul George, though, is if you do trade him, you need assurances that he's going to stay. That's why Danny Ainge didn't. Well, Danny Ainge didn't pull the trigger because he knows he knows that he doesn't have the right personnel in place to utilize him to the fullest. Um, that was very generous, I thought. Uh, and the thing is, is that. If you trade for Paul George, he's Paul George has publicly stated where he wants to go already. If you yeah. send him somewhere else, he's just going to leave, and you're going to wind up with nothing. Well, can Paul George play to get the, Can he play the triangle? Man, he's not going to the Knicks. <laughs> can you imagine him and Porzingis and all their other young guys? He would be throwing Porzingis under the bus nightly, and Hernan Gomez. He'd be throwing him under the bus. Paul George is throwing his teammates under the bus. That's why I wanted, I, I brought that up about Russell Westbrook. For all the things that Westbrook is, one thing he has not done is thrown his teammates under the bus. He doesn't do that. You know, He's no. leading his team. Whether, whether we agree with the way he's doing it or not is another issue. But at least he's leading his team somewhere. Paul George is leading his team down a rabbit hole they don't want to go. I yeah, don't understand I, what he's doing. They, they had listen to this. This is what blows my mind. They had the Cavs. They they were winning by twenty five points at halftime and wound up losing at home. It's ridiculous. And like part of that story is, oh well, you know the Cavs are the champions. This is something that they're capable of doing. But really, twenty five is a little bit too much. Utah lost by fourteen up at home. Twenty five is eleven more points. That's a huge failure. I mean, that's just nuts. You know, the other part of it is, is the, and well, let's talk about the Cavs. That Cleveland Cavaliers team allowed 76 points at halftime to the Indiana Pacers. There were nights when the Pacers didn't score that much the entire season. Yeah. But did, if you're a champion, if you've gone to the, the Eastern Conference Finals or even NBA Finals X number of times in a row, do you need a wake-up call in the first round? 
Like, I think they should be better. Cleveland isn't as good as they need to be, but Indiana isn't good, period. I don't even think they should have been in the playoffs. I, I would have much rather enjoyed seeing one of the other Eastern teams that didn't make it, like the Miami Heat. Who were playing good basketball. And not throwing one another under the bus. Not likely. Not there. You don't do that stuff there. You find yourself out the door. I think the Cavs win this one, but my goodness, I eh, I don't hold out a lot of hope for the Cavs. A few weeks ago, I wrote a column at Peachtree Hoops, and I was looking at the defense, and I started to go back a little in the in the distant past and in a, in a recent past. There hasn't been a team since the 2005-2006 Miami Heat to win a championship with a defensive efficiency rating outside the top 10, and the only reason they did it is because the Dallas Mavericks had a worse defensive efficiency rating than they did. Yeah, and Dallas also choked and got a little bit jobbed by the refs as well. So, like, if you run that series a thousand times, Dallas usually wins it. So it's even more of an asterisk. And I I do think Cleveland has an easier path because in the next round they play a Milwaukee team that's never been there and a Raptors team that's shell-shocked and their best players are not shooting well. So, uh, like, that's... I would rather have that than face Washington because Washington looks like a world beater right now. Perfect segue. Hawks and the Wizards. Well, I'll tell you some, you know, people, I used to be one of them, the hooted on Scott Brooks, but they started off awful too this season. And then all of a sudden they turned on the burners and they haven't shut them off at all. They're on full blast. And I think that this is a sweep. But my question is, is Dwight Howard a jinx? It looks like it. Dwight is... He was really, 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 really good in Orlando, mainly because of the other players they had around him. It was four out with Stan Van Gundy. Since then, every other system he's been in has not been good. And uh, Coach Bud, you know, he's he's a San Antonio Spurs guy. He likes ball sharing. He likes to set screens. He likes to make sure everyone is involved. Dwight Howard does not thrive in this type of offense. And, like, in the playoffs, he's playing, like, six more minutes per game than Mike Muscala and averaging half a block more. I mean, half a block less than him. Like, he's he's not playing well, regardless of, you know, how we see him as a fit player. He's just not getting it done. No, and you know, the other guy that Hawks fans are high on, Tim Hardaway Jr., isn't getting it done either. Those guys are, both of them, the Hawks are considerable amount of points better than they are during the playoffs without Dwight Howard and Tim Hardaway on the floor. Considerable about better. Dwight Howard, I think Dwight Howard was brought there only to sell tickets, and it's pretty obvious. Because Mike Budenholzer, and it's more more obvious to me that Mike Budenholzer wasn't the one who brought him into town. Because he preached nothing but culture, culture, culture. And now he's got ISO Dwight and ISO Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't understand those moves. These are not Mike Budenholzer type players. Right. And I, I will say that if you look at you look at it on paper, with the addition of a time machine, let's say like a, a two thousand nine Dwight paired up to a two thousand nine Paul Millsap is a good pairing. Two thousand seventeen they're not the same players that they used to be. No, there aren't. You know what they're gonna have to do? They're gonna have to let Paul Millsap walk, which is another all-star they let walk without compensation. Yeah, Kyle Corver earlier this year. Like, what are they? Why do you doing? trade? Now that doesn't make sense either. Why do you trade? You're all, you're having problems putting the ball in the basket to begin with. 
So you trade away your best shooter to the team you're supposedly trying to beat. Yeah, and no disrespect to Mike Dunleavy, but Korver is just, he was such a good fit for that offense. Oh, yeah, he's a good fit for Le- with LeBron, too. You know, yeah, he said he like, had to learn that they had to teach him how to catch the ball because they, he wasn't used to how quick the passes came at him. <laughs> yeah. No, James with, Jones James, James Jones had told him to attack the pass with your hands. He goes, everyone has to learn that with LeBron. Wow, that's ridiculous. That's amazing. Uh, definitely not amazing. This Dwight Howard version, like, like Dennis Schrader, he's a good young point guard. I, I definitely don't think that he's the equal of John Wall. Tim Hardaway is not going to be able to handle Bradley Beal, and we're seeing that. I like. Would they have been better if they had Teague still? I I don't know, man. It's it's a bad Teague's, bad Teague's year. laying his own eggs in the Indiana series with Cleveland. It, it's the only team that seemed to win that was George Hill, and George Hill only played forty games this year. That's awful. That's awful. No one seemed to have won a three-team trade. <laughs> no, no one. I will say this. If George Hill was healthy, you would have felt a little more better to say that you won that trade. I still think that you did, especially if Hayward stays. Yeah. That's what they're going to want to do. That That is what they'll do. Um, but for Atlanta, how do you how do you get past that? Because their backcourt, the Hawks' backcourt, can't stop that backcourt. They're making, they're making uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal look like the Harlem Globetrotters playing against the Washington Generals. It was, and this is kind of like, this is what we see from, like, if you watch Wizards games, this is what they want to do. And I think in the playoffs, you're supposed to game prepare to prevent the team from doing the thing they want to do the best. And it's not like he's being outcoached. It's that his players are being outplayed. And if you are going to do something about it, you're going to have to try and devise a better offensive, uh, defensive system, rather, that gets the ball out of their hands. Like I would much rather have Markeith Morris beating you than these two guys, and I guess that means you've got to trap more. You've got to use uh, Prince to try and you know maybe pressure the ball, switch around who guards who. They have to do something. Well, that's just it. That's what you know. The India or the Atlanta Hawks, their calling card under Mike Budenholzer was that suffocating defense. Yeah, it was like the it Seattle Supersonics back in the '90s. Like it was that good. Yeah, it was. You saw it happen. They would turn on the burners, and they would get steals and transition baskets, and off to the races they would go, and they would just wear you out. And the ball movement would wear those teams out, those their opponents out. And you don't see either of that there. You see, I saw Tim Hardaway Jr. chuck two threes right in a row. I mean, neither were a good shot. And they're like and they, in the first six seconds of the clock as well. Yeah, they just don't have any clock management. They don't know what seem to know what they are doing now. There are times this season where the Hawks played like the old Budenholzer teams. The last week of the season, when they beat Boston and Cleveland twice, yeah, they were that. moving the ball, and then all of a sudden they stopped again. It's the Dwight curse for sure. Like he's, I don't know. It's kind of like when you have a really good square peg, but you just have round holes. You're going to have to, part, you know, chisel some of that off in order to make it fit. And right now, Dwight. If his fit was to be a, a guy from Georgia who sells tickets and the team doesn't win, you know, I don't know if that was a, a deal or a signing that they needed to do. 
They competed against themselves to sign him. Nobody else wanted him. There's a reason for that. Welcome to Atlanta, Dwight Howard. Anyway, and the fans, they killed me all summer long. He's, they're putting up these videos. He's putting in work. He's going to make you all look stupid for thinking the things that you think. Well, we have a larger sample size now than Dwight Howard in the gym posing for his friends. Now, here's the thing. One guy who's not posing. Okay, maybe he's a little bit. Giannis, Giannis, Giannis. Etsy Bravo, Petty Moo. Oh, my God, he's playing great. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the dude, man. He is going to be the next superstar of the NBA. And a good kid, too. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about him since back when you lived back there. And Yeah, it, remember remember I told you? I went to watch the Nassus, his brother, play, and I see this kid with all arms and legs. I died. I fell out of the I was sitting in the I was sitting in the cafe bar at the Corfu Holiday Palace when the news came out that the Bucks had drafted Giannis in the first round and I started laughing. I said, not that kid I just saw play. It was amazing. And like when people saw him, they were upset. They said, how could you have another American guy on your team? And they were like, no, he's not American. He's Greek. And like, it's, it's an amazing story. And he's going to be better. He's If he gets a more consistent jumper, he's absolutely unstoppable. Like the way that things are going in the same play, he plays power forward to get the rebound he plays point guard to take the ball up the court and he finishes you know he slashes to the rim like a wing player and then he dunks it like a center it's ridiculous but you know the thing when Jabari Parker got hurt everyone thought their season would end and Middleton too you know like how are they even in the playoffs they're a great story they're a fantastic story I'm not a fan of Jason Kidd by any stretch of the imagination but the thing is People need to watch basketball. Giannis started playing the four on defense, and nothing changed. And he started guarding those bigger guys. Nothing changed. And he started posting up a little bit more. Nothing changed. He was taking care of business. Like you said, he got the rebounds from the four spot where Jabari Parker was doing. And Chris Middleton came back at about that same time. Yeah. And now he's starting to round into form. And then you've got Dirty Deli out there kind of like, being a stopgap like he did for Cleveland, which Cleveland's got to be kicking themselves for letting him go with all the problems they've had on defense. You mean Darren Williams isn't holding it down? He's holding it down on the defense, man. I'll give him that. <laughs> you know, people people that don't know a whole lot about basketball even come up and say, well, how can you say the Cavs don't play defense? Darren Williams does. Yeah. Darren Williams plays 12 minutes a night. But the, but the thing is, is this Milwaukee team is playing really good. But Toronto, it, you know, people are saying Toronto should be burying this team. No, Milwaukee's just that good. It's not because Toronto is really bad. Although Demar Derozan, you went a whole game, dude. How does a Demar Derozan, an All Star, go an entire playoff game without a field goal? Yeah, not even a transition layup. You know, it's nothing. It was really, really bad. I, I do think that Toronto may be pulling this series out. But I think you got to admit that the Bucks are on a higher trajectory right now. Like, just disregard the fact that they're getting something out of Greg Monroe right now that no team would probably in this era of basketball. But Thon Maker is another guy we didn't even mention. You know, he's very, very raw, and he needs to eat a lot of, you know, fatty food in order to get, get his weight up. But I think he's a perfect complement to what they're doing in Milwaukee. The Toronto Raptors, 
DeRozan needs to play better. They need to do what they do in the regular season. And I, that's always been the knock on the Toronto Raptors, be it, you know, the Vince Carter Toronto Raptors or the Chris Bosch Toronto Raptors or this this era. Whenever they make the playoffs, they don't know how to adjust to playoff basketball. And, you know, they had a good run last year. They had a couple of game sevens that they played really tough. But this is not a team that has flipped the switch yet. And here's the secret. It's not a switch. You just got to play better, and they're not stepping up. Yeah, it's not a switch. I told Cavs fans that. That's a, it's a mythical thing. You either play or you don't. And Toronto doesn't seem to want to play. I'm going to disagree with you this time. I think the Bucks are going to win this series. It, Toronto didn't even look like they want to be there. I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. And Baca, too. The other night, they looked so doggone complacent. Maybe they're missing Toronto already. Who knows? But one thing is clear. This has been a great show, as always, with you, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to appear here with me. Oh, Phil, this is awesome. I, I love talking basketball with you. It's it's like we're at the bar. Yeah, that's where we should be, because most people think I'm drunk when I do this show. So <laughs> it is what it is. But you can find Amar over at slcdunk.com. You can also catch him on Twitter daily at all that Amar. Until next time, y'all take care of yourselves. Be good, and most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.